You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to BridgesNashville.com. In his book, Faithful Presence, author and pastor David Fitch writes, Presence is how God works. But he requires a people tending to his presence to make his presence visible for all to see. You know, the church is a community of worshipers. And one of the reasons that we exist is to show the world the presence of God at work in and through us. You know, right now in our world, we see a lot of chaos. Oh, but the Holy Spirit is one who hovers over the chaos and he brings order. There's a lot of anxiety in our society, but the presence of the Lord promises a peace that surpasses our understanding. There's fear and oppression every single time we turn on the news and hear a new story. But I want to tell you that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and that God's perfect love casts out all fear. God is not on his throne surprised by what's happening in the world today. The gospel is still good news and we are a people with a living hope that is Jesus Christ. You know, our faith isn't in anything else but in his word and his promise And one of those promises is that he's faithful. This world doesn't need another great song or great message or even another great church service. The world needs more of God's presence. And we are the body of Christ, a people of his presence, a community of worshipers. You know, last week we kicked off this mini series, The Presence of God, with a message called Becoming Aware. I shared that there's a difference between the omnipresence of God that's everywhere and his manifest presence. And today, I want us to lean into this promise that Jesus shows up in the midst of a community of worshipers. Matthew 18, verse 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. In Ellicott's commentary, he reveals that the true meaning here lies in the axiom, ubi tres, ibi ecclesia. Where three are, there is a church. The strength of the church isn't in our numbers, but in our lives, the way that we live as a people of his presence among the world. Jesus was promising that his presence would be just as real as it was to Peter, James, and John, as it would be to every follower who would put their faith in him and gather in his name for the purpose of worship. You know, when we get together in house churches over a meal and to disciple one another, when we come together for first Sunday gatherings or worship nights, when we get together for coffees and hangouts throughout the week, whenever these are done in his name, he's with us. The rabbis had a saying that if two sat at table and conversed about the law of God, the Shekinah or the glory of God rested upon them. Just like back in our One Another series where we learn how the New Testament church did life in community, so it is with how we can experience the presence of God. Yes, we can have a personal relationship in God's presence. That's the best way to start your day, or as Pastor Chris Hodges would say, to master your mornings. If you're constantly being filled up, you'll never run out of something to pour out. But you can't be full of His Spirit If you're full of yourself, uh, you have to make his presence a priority and you can be with God anywhere at any time. So if you feel like you're running on empty today, if your spirit life is a bit dull, sharpen the saw, get in his presence every day through prayer, meditation, reading his word and worshiping him in your quiet times. 
But God's presence wasn't only promised in personal experience. No, he promised to show up in community. So as a church, we long to be a people of his presence, that bridges would be a place where God's presence and his people connect. That has always been our God-given vision statement. You know, something shifts in the atmosphere when we come together to worship. Jesus was encouraging the early church to gather in his name, which closely corresponds to Hebrews 10, 25. It says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I'm so excited about our upcoming worship night, August 29th, 6 p.m. at the Listening Room Cafe. You don't want to miss this. And as a church, we're actually going to be doing more of these worship nights to intentionally gather and worship and pray together. Why? Because when the people of God come together to sing the praises of God, we experience the presence of God. Now, there was a community of worshipers in the Old Testament that attended to the presence of the Lord. They were the tribe of Levi. I can remember growing up in church as a young pastor's kid at 13, leading worship, and I would often hear this phrase, modern day Levites. You see, the tribe of Levi, one of Jacob's 12 sons, were set apart early on in the days of Moses to basically be the first ever church staff. Now, they were the tabernacle workers. Now, remember the story of God's presence that we talked about last week went from garden to tent to tabernacle to temple. And then in 1 Corinthians 3.16, we read that we are the new and living temple. So with that context, we're going to be talking about the Levites as those who looked after the early tabernacle. Deuteronomy 10, verses 8 and 9. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister, and to pronounce blessings in His name as they still do today. That is why the Levites have no share or inheritance among their fellow Israelites. The Lord is their inheritance, as the Lord your God told them. So the Levites, they they have this three-part calling. One is to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Now, this was what housed the presence of God throughout the Old Testament. The Ark of the Covenant was kept in the Holy of Holies, and it housed the presence of God. The Levites were called to carry His presence. Some food for thought. Do you carry the presence of the Lord with you? And when you walk into a room, does the atmosphere change? I often talk with our leaders here at Bridges about the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. See, a thermometer takes the temperature, but a thermostat sets it. And when you carry the presence of God with you, you're a thermostat. Now, you can change the atmosphere of that room. Now, the second part of this Deuteronomy 10 calling is to stand before the Lord to minister. This is the Hebrew word, lacerato, which is basically to worship or serve God. You know, sometimes with all the messages our culture throws at us, we can start to think that worship is all about me. It's me getting what I need in God's presence. We can quickly become the star of our own show. No, worship is all about God. We minister and serve the Lord. And we lift up the name of Jesus. He is the object of our worship. And then the third part of that Levitical calling, to pronounce blessings in His name. Simple question for you. Do you spend most of your time complaining about others or blessing them? See, we're called to be a blessing to those around us. 
This makes me think of the worship song, The Blessing, which is literally a blessing sung over the people of God out of Numbers chapter 6. Now, in Deuteronomy 10, the very next verse after this three-part calling is incredible, and it shows us the value and priority of God's presence. Moses said that unlike the rest of the tribes of Israel, the Levites wouldn't share in the land and property splits as their inheritance. No, they would have something far more valuable. The Lord was their inheritance. You see, when the Israelites won battles, it was common to stake your claim and split up the spoils of war, so to speak. Oh, but not the Levites, not the community of worshipers set apart by God. He alone would be their inheritance. He would be their supply, their legacy. He would be everything that they needed. You know, from the tribe of Levites came musicians, worshipers, and songwriters. Some are really well known. Now, this is where I can really start to nerd out on the Bible because I love worship so much. You know, many of the Psalms were written by Levites like Asaph, Ethan, and the sons of Korah. Throughout the book of 1 Chronicles, we read verses where King David appointed Levites to lead his people through song. See, music and song is one of the greatest ways we have to express our hearts and worship to the Lord. Sometimes I think you can only sing what you want to say. A pastor friend of mine once told me that spirit travels on sound. There's something powerful about musical worship. And it's all around us, isn't it? The birds singing their song in the morning, the thunder claps during a storm, the ocean roars on the beach, even the stars in space make music. Check out Astro Seismology when you have some free time. It will blow your mind. David knew what he was writing in Psalm 48, 148 verse 3 when he said, Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. You see, everything was created to worship God. And it will not find fulfillment until it does just that. The whole earth is filled with his glory. There is worship happening all around us. You can even hear music in some funny places. Little side note, did you know that toilets flush in the key of E flat? Everything has a song. Aldous Huxley once said, after silence, that which comes nearest to expressing the inexpressible is music. God gave us the gift of music to express our hearts and our feelings to him. And for Christ followers, it's not just music, it's praise. And that is what we're created for. C.S. Lewis shares a powerful thought in his book, Reflections on the Psalms. He wrote, the most obvious fact about praise strangely escaped me. I'd never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise, praising the weather, food, actors, players, praising their favorite game. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy, not only because praise expresses the enjoyment, but because it completes it. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. Listen to this. The delight is incomplete until it's expressed. In other words, worship is the completion of joy. Psalm 16 says, you will fill me with joy in your presence. Songs become prayers and worship. Now, I've dedicated most of my life to helping people connect to God through music. And many of you know, before pastoring and planting Bridges Nashville, I was a worship pastor at National Community Church, our parent church in DC. And before that, I spent years traveling around the country, leading worship at camps, conferences, and churches. And even today, one of my favorite things to do with our Bridges worship team is write worship songs. Hey, 
six different times throughout the book of Psalms, it says to sing a new song. So that is why we write music. And the last song that we released earlier this year is called My Supply. And it's all about God's presence out of Psalm 16. I encourage you, listen to that song and meditate on the lyrics. Praise opens the door of our hearts to his presence. One more thing about musical worship. I believe that worship is a soundtrack to prayer. This summer, I spent a few days up in the Pennsylvania woods in a cabin uh, recording 15 instrumental songs inspired in the stillness of his presence. That Pennsylvania cabin is actually the location on the front of our graphic, thanks to Hannah Malone, who took my picture and made it an awesome graphic for this series. And it's an instrumental album called The Presence of God. It comes out August 29th, the same day as our worship night. And I'm going to be giving a copy away to everyone who comes that night. My prayer is that this instrumental worship can be a resource to help you meditate on the word of God and get in his presence. We started off today talking about the Levites as the main tribe in the Old Testament that attended to the presence of God. Now let's see how this is renewed in the New Testament. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're modern day Levites. Now remember in Deuteronomy, the Levites were set apart as priests. And here in 1 Peter, we read that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The word holy means set apart. And we're believers in an unbelieving world. We walk with light at a time filled with darkness. As Christ followers, we carry a hope in a day and age that's struggling with hopelessness. Listen, if you're watching or listening today, I want you to know you are God's special possession. You are so loved by the Father. You have a purpose, you have a family, and you are here for such a time as this. So what's our response to this knowledge? Well, it's to declare the praises of the God who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. To be a community of worshipers that show the world what the presence of God is like. See the big difference between the Old Testament Levites and the New Testament priesthood is Jesus. Jesus is the high priest who makes a way to the presence of God. Uh, last week we shared that when Christ died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Ephesians 3.12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. The writer of Hebrews also shared this in Hebrews 10.19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Listen, we have full access to the Father's presence, but it's only through Christ. We can experience him personally and in community. Following Jesus isn't a solo sport. Look, if there's one thing that this COVID season has taught us, isolation stinks. We were made for community. We are a priesthood meaning a family of priests, sons and daughters of the Most High God. So let's pursue His presence with one another. And let's not take this full access for granted. I want to close with a passage in the Old Testament that actually goes back to the Levites. In Ezekiel 44, we read a sad story of what happened to the Levitical priests as they began to listen to the voice of culture over the voice of God. They became more influenced by people than by a holy God. See, 
the Levites over time allowed idol worship and they watered down the holiness of God. They had desecrated the temple and broken covenant with the Lord. Here's what it says in verse 12. But because they served him, but because they served them in the presence of their idols and made the house of Israel fall into sin, therefore I have sworn with uplifted hand that they must bear the consequences of their sin, declares the sovereign Lord. They are not to come near to serve me as priests or to come near any of my holy things or my most holy offerings. They must bear the shame of their detestable practices. Yet I will put them in charge of the duties of the temple and all the work that is to be done in it. So listen, this is crazy because God still allowed them to take care of his temple and do the maintenance work and all the grunt stuff. He allowed them to still be in the temple, but not to come near his presence. Oh, I can't imagine how that must have felt. But they had desecrated, they had gone astray, and now they must bear the consequences of that sin. But don't worry, there was one line that still remained faithful. Check this out. In verse 15 of Ezekiel 44, but the priests who are Levites and descendants of Zadok and who faithfully carried out the duties of my sanctuary when the Israelites went astray from me are to come near to minister before me and they are to stand before me to offer sacrifices of fat and blood, declares the sovereign Lord. Verse 16, they alone are to enter my sanctuary. They alone are to come near my table to minister before me and perform my service. See, the line of Zadok remained faithful and they alone got to minister to the Lord, to stand in his presence and serve, reaping the blessing that comes in his presence. Are you thankful for his grace and forgiveness today? And can we just take a moment and repent for anything that we've placed in our lives above God? You know, he said, you will have no other gods before me. Is there anything that you are pursuing above Jesus? His presence was holy then, and it's still holy. He deserves our whole hearts. I'm reminded of a song that I grew up singing, The Heart of Worship by Matt Redman. And in the chorus, it simply says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it when it's all about you. Can we take a moment today? And just say, I'm sorry, Lord, for anything that I've placed above you and above your holiness. God, I'm sorry for anything that I've pursued more than I've pursued your presence. Can we be a faithful community of worshipers that pursues the presence of the Lord in community with one another? That's my prayer for us today. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.